Welcome to Women Volunteers, a GFWC NC podcast where we talk with women across North Carolina who volunteer their time in support of community improvement. We'll find out how they got started, how they manage these projects, and the impact of their volunteer actions. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Fulcher, GFWC of North Carolina President-Elect. Back with you today as the guest interviewer with Juanita Bryant. During the last episode, we heard about her time and adventures while she served as the international president of GFWC. Today, we will hear about Juanita's experiences during the time that she served as president of GFWC of North Carolina. Good to see you, Juanita, and thank you for taking the time to share your stories. Let's go back to the early years. Where did you grow up and how did your interest as a young girl develop into joining a women's club as you were starting your young family? Thank you, Kim. And I'm delighted to share my experiences with with you and with the club women of North Carolina. Uh, First of all, I'm a native North Carolinian and I was born in Rowan County in Spencer, North Carolina, because my daddy worked with the Southern Railroad there. And then he was transferred to Winston-Salem later. And so, actually, I grew up in Winston-Salem. We moved there before the year before I started to school in the first grade. And so I grew up there. And I will have to say that I became a joiner at that time when I was just a young girl. I don't know how my mother ever kept up with me because I I was I took dancing, I took tap and acrobat and ballet. I joined the uh, Girl Scouts. I was involved in the church and I joined the Girl Reserve and then the YWCA and the Y, y- teens. And so I just became a joiner from the very beginning. That sounds exciting. Very good. (laughs) After you joined the Beanville Women's Club, what leadership positions did you take on? Uh, First of all, uh, Frank was in service for the first two years that we were married. And when he got out, having grown up in Winston-Salem, well, when he got out of service, we moved to the farm in Yakin County. I knew immediately that if I was going to be happy there, that I was going to have to become involved in the community, just as I had been involved as I grew up. Boonville Club was organized in 1953, and I was not a charter member, but it was organized in March, and then I joined in September of that year. Having started in the local club, I realized that there was a lot more to the Federation than just the local club. And I also knew that I had to become really involved in the in the community. So I was active in the church and the PTA and the home demonstration club and the book club. As a young young girl, I took those things right to the farm and became involved in everything there. It led me to also realize that there was much more to the Federation than just the local club. So I 
immediately became involved in the district and the state level. And, uh, and I started out in my local club. Well, I served, first of all, as the Ways and Means Chairman, raising the money for the club. So I guess they decided that if I did that, they would let me be the treasurer. So I started out as treasurer and then moved on up in the local club till I served as president of the Boonville Woman's Club. As a result of that, I certainly became very involved in the district. I realized that there was much more to the Federation than just your local club. I became very active on the district level. So when I did, Evelyn Badgett from Thomasville was chairman of the nominating committee for the district, and she called and uh, said that the nominating committee had met and that they would like for me to serve as the district president. And at that time, we had 16 districts across the state. We did redistricting at a later time and cut it down to nine. But then we had 16. And so she wanted to know, said that the nominating committee had selected me to serve as district president. And I said, well, now what does that entail? And she said, first of all, you would be elected at your fall meeting uh, that will be in November of this year, but you actually would not be installed until the state convention in April. And I said, well, let me think about it because that might work because my baby's due in February. And so that might work with November and then in the spring convention. Well, there was complete silence on the other end of the line. And I thought, well, she's going to take it away from me. She's not going to let me do that. But she did. And so I served as a district president and uh, had, I think, 21 clubs in my district, organized several of them, one in uh, uh, Moxville, and organized one in China Grove, and organized, and I visited all my clubs in, in the district each year for the two years that I served as district president. And that, of course, led me to be involved on the state level, attending the all the state conventions and attending my uh, first North Carolina convention and on to GFWC to attending that. And that led me to be interested in working on the GFWC level as well as the North Carolina. And I was really pleased when I served in the North Carolina Federation. I had been the arts department chairman under Evelyn Lunch, and then Marjorie Oakley was in line to become the state president. At that time, the president could choose the nominee for corresponding secretary 
to be on the slate of the nominating committee. So Marjorie tapped me as the her corresponding secretary, and she wanted me to serve. And so I, I was on the slate to hold that office, and Marjorie and I worked very closely together. In addition to that, the State Arts Festival was held in conjunction with the state convention every year. In fact, they, they came in three, at least three, two to three days early and brought all the, uh, all their artwork, the students and everything. And of course it was really difficult for the club women. And so I threw it out to Marjorie while I was her corresponding secretary that I thought it would be a good idea to establish the arts festival separate and apart from from the state convention. And she agreed with me and told me to just move on with it. So I held the first arts festival at UNCG in Greensboro. And then we went to different places to Wake Forest. And then it was started at Salem College, and for years we held it there. So it was really good to do all that separately. Having served under her was quite an experience, but unfortunately she passed away during her term of office with a rare blood disease, and the Federation was just devastated. But Norma Cates, the president-elect, was moved up to the position of president. And so, and then the nominating committee selected me to move from corresponding secretary up to the first vice president at that time. And so I was in office then as the first vice president of the North Carolina Federation. You moved up that ladder pretty fast, didn't you? <laughs> that was that was a quick a quick one up there. My, I did not know that about um about Marjorie. That's interesting and very very sad, obviously. Um, Juanita, you have been and still are a mentor to many young and not so young club women such as me. Did you have any mentors of your own? Oh yes, absolutely. I had been. Uh, I had loved mentoring to a lot of the young young club women and but definitely Marjorie Yokeley and Mabel Claire Madry were certainly two of my mentors. They had more faith in me than I had myself. And so they moved me right along. As I said, we had uh, 16 districts across the state. And so as first vice president, I toured the state with Ellie Keller, who was second vice president. She was from Smithfield, and we toured the, the at that time, the president and the director of junior clubs uh, did the fall tour to each one of the 16 districts across the state in the fall for each district to have their annual meeting. And the first and second vice presidents toured the state in the summer pr promoting the program of the organization. And they traveled to each one of those. And so I had the opportunity to travel the state in 
two years and then the two years that I served as president as well because I moved up from the first vice president of the organization. The nominating committee asked me to serve as president. So I moved up to that and had the the opportunity to tour all the districts, both as first vice president and as the president. So I learned a great deal from each one of those and working with the local club women and learning what they were doing on their uh, on the club level and how important that was. And I had a good number of programs when I was state president. It was a great experience, but my theme was a time for women in community action. And so with a, with an emphasis on leadership and scholarship and citizenship, those were my main interest in promoting those different things. And with that, as state president, at that time, on the board of directors for the state, you only had the appointees of the president and all of her executive committee, as well as her appointees. So I was instrumental in getting them to expand that and let the club presidents, all the club presidents, become a part of the board of directors of the Federation. And that way I could bring in uh, training them for the in the leadership positions. And then I promoted the Sally Southall Cotton Scholarship Program. And I think we raised $16,000 to add to that a fund for the scholarship. And so that was one of them. And then, of course, the citizenship, which was my real my main focus, I guess, because I encouraged women to be involved in their community, to work on the local level, to support other women, to work to get out the vote, and to do have registration for voters, and just a a number of programs that we did in uh, in citizenship, and that really led me to the at the close of my presidency to establish the award on the state level, the Wanted Bryant Citizenship and Patriotism Award, which I gave uh, in grave bold on the state level, and then with our clubs, with the 16 districts, I encouraged each club to have a nominee. And then I gave a little small silver bowls to each one of the districts. And they had competition for the district winner and went on to the state to compete for the, for the state award of the Juanita Bryant citizenship and patriotism, and I really supported the women being involved. And as I traveled on the district level, uh, both as first vice president and the president, I happened to stay with uh, one of the clubs 
that was located in the down in the eastern part of the state that there were two club women, two sisters that kept their club going. And so I stayed overnight in their home and she asked me why we did the pledge to the allegiance of the flag of the United States why we did not do the salute to the North Carolina flag. And I said, I never knew there was any such thing as that. And she explained to me that it was, I salute the flag of North Carolina and pledge to the old North state, love, loyalty, and faith with your arm extended and your palm raised up. That that was that, the salute to the North Carolina flag. So I immediately introduced that to the North Carolina Federation and on the state level. And all of the the districts and the clubs and all of them picked up on that immediately. And as far as I know, they're all continuing with it at the present time. But then another thing that I promoted was a visit your state capital day. We had club women coming from all over the state. Some of them brought buses and we trained them that when they they needed to make appointments with their house members and senate members and visit with them and promote our program. As a result of that, we had over 1,200 club women from across North Carolina that came into the state capitol and visited with their legislators. And we were promoting the Consumer Protection Act, the licensed daycare centers, and eye exams for children. And at that time, the ERA had already surfaced. And so we were encouraging our uh, legislators to support that and also to recognize women and give give women a seat at the table that they needed to be on boards and commissions and to to do that well then we educated them on the things that they were supposed to talk about when they did the visitation. And then later that afternoon, Jessie Ray Scott, the First Lady of North Carolina, opened the Covenant's Mansion for a reception for all of them. And so all of these women had the opportunity to go to the Governor's Mansion. And she later told me that they did everything in the world. They pulled out every cookie they had in the freezer and made all the punch and everything that they could to, to welcome all these club women to the state capitol. And it was a very successful program. I bet so. That sounds that sounds exciting. Now, on that same term, I think you also, there was a notation about you um, purchased some flags for North Carolina club women. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yes. One of the things we encouraged the club women to purchase flags to display in their home. And I think we had 4,000 women 
that purchased U.S. flags and would fly them in their home. That ended up being a very successful program as well. Now, I want to go back to whenever you were president of North Carolina. At the time, GFWC of North Carolina was actually called the North Carolina Federation of Women's Clubs. When did that name change, Juanita? Well, I think it was during, yes, during Barbara Volk's administration is when she proposed that we change it to the GFWC of North Carolina. It took a while for that to catch on to the women and uh, for the clubs. And so many, our major portion of them now, that was promoted on the GFWC level. And so many of them now, they preface that the GFWC in front of their club name. And then I think it was Barbara Volk's administration that it was adopted that we would change it to GFWC North Carolina, which I think is very good. Really, the great thing about the Federation is that we are a smorgasbord organization that we pick and choose the things that we want to do to help our community. And we have been responsible for 75% of the libraries being established in the United States. It does give the the opportunity for each club to meet the needs of of their community and to pick and choose the things that they want to do. Juanita, you were instrumental in starting the State Youth Commission, which still exists today as the Youth Advisory Council, the Youth Involvement Office, and the local youth councils. Can you tell us how all of that happened? Well, as state president, that was really not one of my emphasis, a program that I wanted to do, but I was more interested in what we had as the sub-juniors. Later, that became the junior reds. And because on the GFWC level, they had the junior reds. And while we were sub-juniors, was what we called them in North Carolina, we won the national award for the best program in the United States for the young women. And I was very proud of that. The formation of the uh, youth councils, we had, I think there were already about nine of them in the high schools across the state, and they were brilliant young women. And so Dr. Guyon Johnson and Ruth, clubwoman Ruth Gill from Greensboro, and one of the deputies at the Department of Administration, they approached me and asked me if I would not work with them because the focus of the council, the youth councils, were they wanted a commission started and a a state youth commission. And so they had drafted the legislation and as president of the North Carolina Federation, they recruited me to help them with that. I did work closely with them. As I said, they were brilliant young women, and I had worked with the legislature in order to establish that commission, and once we drafted the legislation and presented it to them, it was real 
it was real uh, unusual that it went back to the to the youth councils, and they were so concerned because the legislature had changed some of their wording, and we explained to them that that's okay. You just go along that the legislature, they had their own ideas of what some of the wording should be, and you don't really go up in arms about them deciding that they would change some of it. And so, but we did get the state commission established. And as a result of that, Governor Bob Scott appointed me to be the chair of the first state of the first board when they established the board. He appointed me to that. And Jim Hunt was an attorney in Wilson, and he was a member of my board. And that's how I first got to to know him. They told me at a later time that I was the first woman in North Carolina to ever chair a state board or commission. I think they'd had women to serve on them before, but they'd never had anyone to chair a state board or commission. And then, as a result of that, then the Youth Advocacy Office was established as an advocacy program under the Department of Administration, and that was very significant that we had that, and it's still in existence today, along with the other advocacy programs that come under the the Department of Administration. And then, as I said, that's how I got to know uh, Jim Hunt, because he was a member of my board and worked closely with him. Then he was running for lieutenant governor. And at that same time, Margaret Harper, a past president of the North Carolina Federation, was the first woman to run for Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. She and I think there were was they had a field of about five candidates that were running for that office. Well, Margaret uh, had a full time campaign chair that was in her headquarters, but she tapped me and asked me if I would be her women's chair. Because by then, I had been involved in the North Carolina Council of Women's Organizations, many women's organizations. And so I had a lot of experience in knowing the women across North Carolina. So she asked me if I would be her women's chair, and I agreed to do so, even though I had worked closely with Jim Hunt, and he was running for that same office along with about five candidates in all that were running. And so Margaret did not, of course, get elected. She was third, came in third on the ticket, but she carried, I think, about five counties, but she got tremendous support from women 
all across North Carolina as she ran for office. It was a pleasure to work with her and to serve. And so as a result of that, Jim Hunt got the most votes. And so the campaign asked me if I would publicly endorse Jim Hunt since Margaret had lost. And with her blessing, I took a trip to Raleigh and publicly endorsed him. And as a result of that, with all those candidates for that one office, they they did not call for a runoff. As a result of that, Jim Hunt did go in as lieutenant governor, and uh, later he served four different uh, times as governor, being having served the longest of any governor in North Carolina. They, they were not continuous. He served two terms and then was out, and then later came back with two more terms. Now, he was elected governor back in 1976, correct? And what role did you play in his first administration, Juanita? Well, fortunately, the fact that I had been involved in it, first of all, Governor Hunt tapped me to do the Leadership Development for Women program in North Carolina. I was housed at the Council for Women, although it was a separate program under the Department of Administration, and I answered to the DOA secretary. And so they wanted me to do a Leadership Development for Women program. And our first leadership conference was held at Meredith College, and we had tremendous attendance at that. I had Bess Myerson, a former Miss America, as my keynote speaker for that. The New York governor had appointed her uh, as Consumer Affairs Chairman for the state of New York, and she later served as the Secretary of Cultural Resources for the state of New York. And so she was my keynote speaker. And then all day the next day, we had workshops for women and they could choose which ones they wanted to go to. And then the third day, we ended with a luncheon at Meredith College in the dining room. And then the program was so popular that they wanted us to take it to the region level. There were nine regions within the council, so we started out planning six of them, but some of them were so upset that they were not having one in their region that they wanted us to expand it. So we ended up with nine region conferences across the state. Well, they were so popular that they wanted us to go to the county level. So I went to the county level then and held a, a leadership conference in all 100 counties in North Carolina. And we ended the program by another statewide conference held in Raleigh. And at that time, I had great speakers. I had actress Polly Bergen, who was one of the most popular actresses of that time, and she was a great supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment. I had Shirley Chisholm, the first 
African-American woman that served in Congress and then the first one, first woman to, to run for president. And she was really outstanding. And then we had Jessica Savage, who was an outstanding, probably the most popular newscaster, a female newscaster in the United States. And she was one of our speakers. So we ended the program with having those great speakers and workshops. And I closed it out in March right before I went into office on GFWC level as in 82 and closed that program out in March right before I went in in June as the international president of the Federation of Women's Clubs. And so it was a great experience for me with our leadership development program all across the state in training women. And we ended up with about 16,000 women that had attended in some form or fashion, either the state or the region or the county leadership program. And so we we reached out to over 16,000 women that had been involved in each one of those. That's incredible. (laughs) Juanita, you coordinated this fabulous Leadership for Women program from 1977 to 1982 with a final statewide conference, as you mentioned, in March of 1982 involving hundreds of women. Then three months later, in June of 1982, you were installed as international president of the General Federation of Women's Club. Then three months later, in June of 1982, you were installed as international president of the General Federation of Women's Clubs and moved to Washington, D.C. for two years. I cannot imagine doing all that you did in that short period of time. As I mentioned earlier in another podcast with you, you just we discussed your many activities, programs, and experiences as the 1982 to 1984 GFWC International President. You dedicated the Women's History and Resource Center on May 1st of 1984, had your last convention in Las Vegas, Nevada in June of 1984. You then returned to Washington, D.C. to move out of headquarters and back home to North Carolina sharing time between Raleigh and your family farm. What did you do next? Well, I came back after I served as the GFWC International President. I joined as a staff member of the YWCA of Wake County and served as their development director. And the main program that we had was the establishment of the Academy of Women in the Raleigh area and honored women. And we, of course, had to solicit funds from the corporate section as our fundraising project. The Academy of Women and serving as development director for the YWCA was certainly a significant contribution to the community of Raleigh. Then following that, Governor Hunt had been re-elected as governor, and so at that time, he appointed me to serve as the executive director of the Council for Women. I really 
enjoyed that program in serving as executive director of the Council for Women. We had a lot of programs and projects. As I told you, we had nine region offices across the state. Each one of them had special projects that they worked on. One in Greensboro had a young leadership program for young women, and then we did the Distinguished Women of North Carolina was one of our major programs that we did, and to recognize outstanding women in North Carolina. That was a really excellent program, and we uh, recognized lots, lots of women across the state. And then we did the Women in the Military, and honoring women in the military. Each year, we went to each one of the military bases in the eastern part of the state or across North Carolina and recognized the women serving in the military. And so that ended up being a very popular program as well. And I think we really worked on women's issues. Not only did we administer all the funds for the the domestic violence and the sexual assault programs. We established the Displaced Homemaker Program, and people would ask me, what is a displaced homemaker? And I would have to explain to them, it was young women with no fault of their own. They were either left a widow or their husband had left, and they were a divorcee, and they had, they had not developed skills to take care of their family. And so our program trained them on how to do jobs and all to help them to support their families and all. And so we called it the Displaced Homemaker because they had been homemakers all those years and had never developed the skills to have an income. I imagine so. That's interesting. I've never heard that term before. So thank you for sharing. Juanita, I understand that you led the North Carolina delegation to the International World Conference on Women back in 1995 in Beijing. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yes. That was when they were planning the UN Conference for Women in Beijing. And I was really wanted our North Carolina women to be able to go to that. So I went up to Governor Hunt and in his office and I told him that I thought that North Carolina should have a delegation to go to the UN conference in Beijing. And he looked at me and he said, okay, you plan it. And so I went back to the council, and at that time, Melanie was my assistant. And I walked in and I said, Melanie, you need to get your passport because we're going to Beijing, China. So we launched that, and we had 48 women that signed up, not only the presidents of a number of women's organizations, but we ended up being the largest, we had the largest delegation of any state. And I had Margie Margolis Mazvinsky, who was a 
congresswoman that was promoting all the states to do something. She came and helped to train our women on what they should do when they got there. But we organized and took the trip involved in all the workshops and everything that they had at the UN Conference for Women in Beijing, China. When we came back, we had a program bringing Beijing home, and we had a big conference out at the McKimmon Center here in Raleigh that we had women to come from all across the state, and we had speakers and workshops that we did teaching them what we had learned while we were over there. We called the program uh, Bringing Beijing Home. Juanita, you retired from the state government back in 2000. While in Raleigh this entire time, you have been a member of the Women's Club of Raleigh and the Boonville Women's Club. And I know personally you have remained active at the GFWC state and national levels, attending all of their meetings. Now, you didn't just retire and rest on your successes. You continued to give of yourself to the Federation. What did you have in mind and what were your major projects for the Federation moving forward? Uh, certainly wanted to to remain active in the Federation. And as you can tell from when I talk about it, that that is certainly my passion, is this organization. So I wanted, I didn't want to just go home and not do anything. So I continued to be active, as hopefully I am today. The fact that the Council for Women stopped the program, the Distinguished Women of North Carolina, then on the North Carolina level, I established the Women of Achievement program, and it was never started as a fundraiser for the organization. It was started to honor women in our six departments that we had that have been outstanding in those areas, in the arts, all of the six departments that we wanted to honor women in those areas. And so we established the Women of Achievement Awards and gave those on the state level. As a result of that, we've honored several hundred women during that, during that program. By then, it was brought to my attention by one of the club women in Statesville that she had researched it and had been unable to find that the salute to the North Carolina flag had ever been officially adopted as the state salute to the flag. And so the club started working on that, and we did find out that it had never been uh, officially established. By then, Melanie Wade Goodwin, who was my assistant at the council when I was uh, executive director, she had gone on to law school and was an attorney in Rockingham County, and then she was elected to the House of Representatives. And so I contacted Melanie and got her to introduce the legislation in the state house, and then Katie Dorsett, who had been the secretary of the Department of Administration, was then in the state senate, and I got 
Katie Dorsett to introduce it in the Senate. So as a result of the Club Women Across the State, we did get it officially established as as the official salute to the flag of North Carolina with Melanie Wade Goodwin and Senator Katie Dorsett. And so that was uh, very significant that we did that. The organization has been instrumental in getting a lot of legislation passed. And even though we do not endorse candidates at all, we are an advocacy agency. And a lot of them have asked me if it's all right to have the two major political parties to hold events in our clubhouses across the state. And I always tell them it is perfectly all right as long as you do not close it to one organization or the other. You're certainly free to support as an individual. You are free to support any candidate that you want to, but once you are elected president of the General Federation or president of the North Carolina Federation, you no longer speak as an individual. You speak on behalf of the organization and you follow the resolutions that you have on GFWC level and the resol- and the state president uh, promotes the resolutions on, that we adopt on the state level. It may not be your personal opinion of it, which I can tell you in several instances, both as GFWC and GFWC North Carolina, there are some of the things that I have not personally agreed with, but I had to speak on behalf of the organization and what they have adopted in their state conventions assembled on the state level and GFWC. So you no longer talk as an individual. You speak on behalf of the organization. Thank you so much, Juanita, for another exciting chat with you today. I have really enjoyed hearing about how you got involved and started as a Women's Club member and all that transpired from your North Carolina Federation of Women's Clubs leadership roles through your term as state president. Your federation leadership funneled into your North Carolina state leadership as your work for women and children continued. Thank you for your many years of advocacy for North Carolina, both as a volunteer and as a state government worker. As you well know, As I previously said, Federation of Women's Clubs is my passion, and I certainly want to remain active in it on every level. One thing I left out is that Teresa Lee did appoint me as the chair to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the North Carolina Federation that we did in I had resigned as executive director of the North Carolina Council, and so she appointed me to head the state celebration of the 100th anniversary of the North Carolina Federation, which we had in Winston-Salem, where we were organized. And along with Betty Tobert as executive director, we did so much to to celebrate the 100th anniversary. This was in 2002. And so 
I headed up that celebration. We got a highway marker, and we were established on the Salem College campus. We planted a tree there, and then we had a, a program in the Moravian Chapel of exactly where we were established, and and then we it was a real fun thing, but to celebrate 100 years of our great organization, we had a horse and buggy that came from the hotel that we rode down to Salem College in that horse and buggy car uh, carriage to celebrate our great historic achievements in, in this great state. And as I said, this has been a wonderful experience for me, one that has certainly opened doors for me, isn't it? And it just shows how the organization can lead to many things for club women when they become involved and when they love this organization the way I do. Also, I hope to continue on this year with the GFWC convention. If I get to attend that, it would be my 75th GFWC annual convention. I guess as the words of the poet Robert Frost, I do want to say that this is not a retirement for me. I hope to keep going. And I always say I have miles to go before I sleep and miles to go and promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Thank you so much. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Women Volunteers is a podcast by Kelly Paul for GFWCNC. If you're interested in learning more about the General Federation of Women's Clubs of North Carolina and how you can join these amazing women in improving our communities, please visit us on the web at gfwcnc.org.